This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Deuteronomy chapter number eight, uh, if you will. Uh, week, this is week number two in our uh, series, Examining uh, Your Heart Through Fasting. This is part two of two. Uh, and so next week, we'll take a look at uh, fasting for battle preparation. I mean, it's going to be a really good next week. And so uh, don't miss out on that for sure. And so uh, tonight, we're taking a look again, a little bit of review on what we covered last week. Uh, last week, was, uh, it was, there was too much to just kind of shove it all into one message. I want to give it the time that it's due. Uh, So a little bit of review on the front end of tonight's message, and then we'll jump into some uh, more content uh, tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse number 1. Again, the children of Israel are preparing to go into the promised land, just like God had promised them that they would. All the commandments which I command thee this day, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live." So, again, we see here in this passage of Scripture that verse number two specifically is really where we're going to spend our time tonight. Uh, You see here that you're going to remember what God did for you in the wilderness when you hungered, when he gave you manna day by day. Here's what it did. It humbled you. It proved you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse number three says that he gave you manna from heaven. I saw somebody, people send me the most random things in the world, and somebody had sent me uh, this past week, what if the children of Israel had taken manna and made it into breadcrumbs, then they could have taken the quail, dipped it in breadcrumbs, deep fried it, and made quail nuggets. Who thinks up stuff like this is what I want to know. Like, do you have so much time on your hands that you would think through something like that? If you do, let me know because I got a to-do list that just doesn't stop. And so, uh, anyways, um, some of you didn't think that was funny at all. I thought it was humorous. Anyways, um, oh, before we get started tonight, uh, let's take a look at the the folks who got baptized today. We had three people that got baptized at Ralph Mona Beach Park today. We praise God for that. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that you're in a church where people are being saved, baptized, discipled, growing in their faith. Put the picture back on the screen. I'm not done with that. That's good. Um, just to let you know, again, if, if, if Hui Call is the only church that you know, you might not know this, but the average church in America last year baptized two people in an entire year. That means for every church that baptized six, there were three churches that baptized zero. Uh, so the fact that we would see three people baptized on a, a regular Sunday in November, last uh, October, or last month we had, in October, we had five people baptized. This isn't happening in every church in America. You're part of something uh, that God is doing that's special. Let's not lose sight of this. And when God gives us blessings, we have to make sure that we steward them appropriately. Uh, we don't just... Uh, 
just automatically assume that God's going to continue to bring people to our church. We continue to, to labor for the kingdom. Uh, we don't just automatically assume that people are just going to walk an aisle or, or hang out after a service and get saved. We continue to present the gospel, evangelize, share our faith, uh, pray and fast that God would continue to bless his church. Uh, we don't automatically assume that people just know what it means to be baptized. Sometimes we have to sit down with people and explain to them why baptism is important. Um, most people don't know that they need to be discipled, that they need to grow in their faith, that they need to grow and mature in their faith to the point where they can take what they've learned and pass it on to somebody else. All this requires in intentional work on our part. We can't just sit back and just assume that God's going to do the work. Uh, God has entrusted us with souls uh, in this city that we need to make sure that we steward appropriately. Uh, and today's baptism, while it was an awesome celebration, it was super cool to, to be able to go out to the beach and uh, be able to baptize there. This is gospel stewardship on our part. Uh, this is the fulfilling of the Great Commission on our part, to go win, baptize, teach. Uh, this is just a small uh, slice of that. And so uh, thank you guys for being an awesome church. Okay, you can take it down now. Uh, so. I just want to say that before we uh, jump into the message because uh, I don't want to, to be remiss in thanking God for all that he's done in our church. Last week we took a look at fasting, and again, I don't recommend that you fast for any extended uh, period of time unless you first check out things with your doctor. I'm not a health prof healthcare professional. I can't give you advice on fasting, what's good for you, what's bad for you, uh, things along those lines. Talked to a guy this morning uh, who had said that he has, has been intermittent fasting for his health. It's had great benefits. He uh, basically fasts for 18 hours a day and then eats within a six-hour window all of his meals for the whole day. So he's done great things for his blood pressure, for his blood work, and for his cholesterol and things along those lines. That's really helpful. That's super good. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're not talking about fasting for health benefits. We're talking about fasting for spiritual benefits. Um, spiritual fasting entails reducing the intake of food and replacing these activities with the exercise of prayer and preoccupation with spiritual concerns. Again, this is the review part of what we took a look at last week. We don't just skip a meal because we're not hungry. We don't just uh, work through lunch because uh, uh, we're not, we're not going to eat and we're just going to keep working at, while we're at our desk at work. That's not fasting. Uh, fasting is taking the time that we have uh, and setting that aside to uh, spiritual uh, things, whether it be prayer, uh, whether it be studying of the Bible, whether it be uh, repentance of sin and things along those lines. Uh, that's what we're doing when we fast spiritually. Biblical fasting always deals with food. Uh, the Greek word that's translated uh, in the Bible for fasting literally means one who has not eaten, uh, one who is empty, or one who is hungry. So again, while people might say, hey, I'm taking a Facebook fast, and I think people should fast from Facebook for the rest of their life, personal opinion there, uh, that's not a fast according to the Bible. Uh, when people say things like, oh, I'm going to take a, uh, you know, a media fast, I'm not going to watch television for a week, helpful for sure, not necessarily a fast when we refer to the Bible. Fasting in the Bible always 100% of the time deals with food. Uh, and so now again, I'm going to uh, take a coffee fast. I'm not going to drink coffee for a week. That would definitely be a consideration of a fast because we're dealing with what we uh, intake into our body. Uh, three types of fasts that we see in the Bible, uh, first of all, would be what we call a normal fast. Uh, normal fast would be abstaining from solid foods, uh, drinking uh, liquids uh, during that time, uh, during a normal fast. And so uh, whether you, you drink water or coffee or tea or fruit juices or smoothies, uh, things along those lines, uh, this would be a, an example of a normal fast, a typical fast of what we would see in the Bible. I encourage you, if you're, again, doing this for an extended period of time, I'm not a healthcare professional, but you need to make sure that you get the calories that you need to keep your body alive and functioning appropriately. You need to make sure that you have a, a well-rounded uh, liquid diet of some sort. If you're going to do this for, uh, I don't know, maybe a week, two weeks, uh, you know, so extended period of time, uh, take those things into consideration uh, when you do a normal fast. 
The other type of fast that we see in the Bible is a partial fast. This would um, be definitely be Daniel's fast that he fell into uh, when in the book of Daniel, where he says, hey, I'm not going to eat the king's meat. Uh, I'm only going to eat vegetables and drink water during this time. Partial fast is abstaining from certain types of food uh, for a certain period of time. Now, again, the reason why we're abstaining from these is for a spiritual purpose. Uh, Daniel says, I want to prove God that he's able to sustain me better than everyone else who's eating the king's meat. And so Daniel wanted to prove a point by his fast. Uh, Daniel didn't just do without meat because he was trying to watch his weight or watch his cholesterol. Uh, Daniel didn't do without meat just because he thought it would be a fun experiment to do. There's a spiritual purpose behind it. And when it comes to spiritual fasting, we always have to have a purpose uh, behind that. Next type of fast we see in Scripture is the absolute fast. Uh, No food, no liquids, no water. Again, I highly recommend that you don't do this for an extended period of time. Uh, because uh, your body needs water to function appropriately. Uh, by usually the second or third day without water, your, your body will begin shutting down. Uh, and so this is a dangerous thing to do. I don't recommend uh, this type of fast, especially if you're new to fasting for sure, uh, because it's a quick way to wind up in the hospital or wind up in a really, really bad spot. And so I don't recommend this type of fast, uh, definitely out the gate uh, for sure, uh, because your body needs water to live. Uh, now, you can live on water for water alone for an extended period of time, but the type of absolute fast where you take no water, no uh, food, uh, it's only a matter of time before that catches up with you, so I don't recommend that at all. Again, not one that we would include in the types of fast that we would see, but definitely uh, the types of fast that we see in the Bible. The final uh, type of fast that I don't even consider a fast because nobody here is going to try it is the supernatural absolute fast, 40 days or more, uh, where someone goes without food, without water for 40 days. Moses did this twice, Elijah did it once, Jesus did it once. Don't do this, you will die 100% of the time, okay? This is not even an option when we talk about the types of fasts that we're going to do because you'll definitely die. These people were supernaturally sustained by God for a particular purpose, for a particular time, uh, and so don't try this, it's not helpful, uh, it's not beneficial, Uh, you're going to wind up in the hospital or you'll wind up dead, don't do it. Uh, So... Now, those are the types of fasts that we see in the Bible. When we talk about fasting, uh, again, I recommend if you've never fasted before that you set out uh, for one particular meal to miss that meal, uh, spend some time in prayer, spend some time in the Word, spend some time uh, meditating, memorizing Scripture. Uh, Maybe you're going to spend time repenting of sin or uh, memorizing Scripture that deals with a particular sin that you struggle with. Um, I highly recommend that. Uh, but in any type of fast, the first step that we want to do is, is to, to declare the immediate purpose of it. Why am I fasting to begin with? Fasting isn't some weird mystical thing that we do. Uh, we're not going to do without food so that we can hear the voice of God. If you want to hear the voice of God, open the Bible. Uh, God speaks through his word. Uh, God doesn't speak in visions, dreams, voices. God speaks through his word. Hebrews chapter 1. In times past, God spoke through prophets. God has spoken in these days through his son, uh, and his son is the word of God, uh, speaking of Jesus Christ. And so you want to hear from God, spend time in the word. That's why I recommend that if you're fasting, spend time in the Bible. The the more that you spend time in the Bible, the more that you'll have the mind of God, uh, the more that you'll have scripture at your disposal. We'll take a look at that uh, next week when we take a look at fasting for battle preparation. 
Again, this isn't something that we do casually. It's something that we need to think out. I, I wouldn't recommend like you're, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and you think to yourself, hey, I think I'll just fast for lunch today. Um, I don't really have time to eat lunch, so I guess I'll fast. Don't do it that way. Be deliberate in your fasting. Uh, Jesus, when he is talking to his apostles, he says, hey, when you pray, here's how you do it. When you give, here's how you do it. And when you fast, here's how you do it. Again, the idea is this would be deliberate, purposeful, intentional action on our part uh, to do without food for a specific period of time for a particular purpose. Now, again, as you read through Scripture, there's uh, really a dozen or so reasons why one would fast, but it all goes back to a connectedness with God. I, I desire to be closer to God, whether that's through, again, repentance of sin, getting sin out of my life so that I can be closer to Christ, whether that's meditating on the Word of God so that I can have the Word of God front and center in my life, whether it's a reminding uh, of, of uh, ourselves that we desire for the presence of God in our lives. Uh, again, the apostles uh, didn't fast when Jesus was with them, and everybody kind of got upset about that. It says, hey, your apostles aren't fasting. And Jesus says, they don't need to fast when the bridegroom is with them, but when I'm gone, then they'll fast. Right now, they have my presence. There's coming a time when they won't, and they'll desire that connectedness with me. That's when they'll fast. And so again, we need to figure out why we're fasting before we begin the process of fasting. This next point is really important, that fasting and prayer is not trying to get your way with God. People mistake this so many times. The idea is that I can kind of twist God's arm to make him do what I want him to do. Whether that be through fasting, whether that be through prayer. Again, false teaching about the Bible would say that I can declare or manifest things that God is required to do on my behalf. All that is garbage. Know this. God has his sovereign plan from eternity past to eternity future, and he doesn't have to listen to a single solitary thing that you or I have to say about it. Be clear on that. Now, does God want us to pray? Absolutely. Does God ask us if we desire something from him to ask? Absolutely. Should we pray? No doubt about it. Should we fast? Absolutely. We're, the Bible tells us that we should fast. That's not the question. The question is, why do we fast? Do I fast because I'm trying to get God to do what I want? So many times people think that if we can find this, this right formula of things, that God will be required to give me what I want. Like, like, like getting answers to my prayers is some secret code that if I punch them in the right sequence, God will shower me with everything that I've ever wanted. Now, it's important to understand that James tells us you don't get what you pray for because you're asking for the wrong reasons. You're asking for things that you might consume them upon your own lusts. So again, if you're praying for that big house or a brand new car or uh, status or praying for more Instagram followers or more YouTube followers and more subscriptions to your channel and things like that, the likelihood of God answering that is, is slim to none. Now, the devil could answer those prayers and give you th those things. You say, would he really do that? I don't know. He promised Jesus that if he would bow down and give him everything that he saw with his eyes. So again, we ask 
sometimes for things that we don't get because we ask for the wrong reason. And there's not enough things that you could do in the world to get God to give you the wrong things. It's another important thing to note about when it comes to prayer and asking God for things. God is not going to allow you or bless you in a life of idolatry. Therefore, God will not give you idols that you will worship instead of him. Look, I'm all for family. I'm all for children. I'm, all, I'm, I'm pro-kids, pro-marriage, all those things. But single folks, if you want to be married more than you want God, he's not going to give you an idol that you'll worship above him. Does that make sense? For the family that greatly desires children, children are a heritage of the Lord, the Bible tells us. They're a gift from God. The fruit of the womb is God's reward, the Bible tells us. It's a very good thing. But if you're going to put your kids on a pedestal above God, God is not going to give you an idol that will replace him. God's not an idol giver. So again, when we say things like, I want to fast and pray so that God will give me what I want, we really need to say, I want to fast and pray so that my heart can be in alignment with God's heart. I want to fast and pray so that I know God's will so that I can pray according to God's will. So again, the Bible promises that if we pray according to God's will, that God will give it to us. So maybe I want God to heal my grandmother who has cancer, and I'm going to pray and fast that God would heal her. God may or may not heal her. And there's nothing that you and I can do to change that. That at some point I have to say, I trust God. I obey God. I, uh, I submit myself to the will of God. And whatever happens, happens. And fasting and prayer helps our heart get in alignment with that. Because nobody would say, I want my grandmother to pass away. If that happens, I'm okay with that. Nobody would say that. But when I fast and pray, I say, God, would you help my heart align with your heart? Would you help my will and desire align with your will and desire? God, would you help me to pray according to your will? And then we say things like, Father, if it be your will to heal my grandmother, that's what I want. But I trust in your will over mine. And again, for some people... Again, people who come from a word of faith background where we can just speak things into existence would say that that's not a prayer of faith. We need to declare grandma healed already. We're going to say to grandma, you no longer have cancer because we're speaking that truth into existence. A couple of problems with that. That's never seen in scripture anywhere. Secondly, we don't have the right to trump God's will with our own. If God has a plan, his plan will come to fruition regardless of what you and I declare. I've heard people say before that when it comes to things like healing, that we shouldn't pray uh, that God's will would be done. We need to pray that, that God would heal them because God's will is always to heal. That's the most unbiblical thing I've ever heard in my entire life. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh, which some people think was a physical ailment. Don't ask me my opinion because I'll tell you this, my opinion doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't tell us what his thorn in the flesh was. Could have been a physical ailment, could have been a sickness, could have been another person. But Paul prayed three times that God would remove it, and God said no. That when Timothy was sick, 
Paul didn't tell him, hey, I'm going to pray a prayer of healing over you. Hey, Timothy, declare that you're no longer sick. He said, hey, Timothy, take your medicine and maybe you'll feel better. So again, we have to pray in accordance to God's will. Fasting and prayer is not your way to twist God's arm or to punch the right secret code to get heaven's blessings. Prayer and fasting are meant for me, just like we saw here in Deuteronomy, to prove what's in my heart. Fasting is a way for God to get what he wants from me. And it's a time for me to get on God's side. Again, we need to, to really, as Christians, get this idea that life is not about me having my way. Life is not about me making God do what I want him to do. Life is about God having his will in me. Life is about me getting on God's side. Because God's side is always right. Look, just to be honest, my daughter, Michaela, she's here tonight, was sick and in the hospital last February. She was in the, the ICU at Kapilani Hospital. They had 17 bags hanging from her IV tree because they didn't know what she had. Her body gone into septic shock and her organs were shutting down. Right, That's what happens like right before you die. And my wife and I prayed, God, we love this girl. We want you to extend her life. But if you don't want to, we want you to be glorified through this situation. And that prayer gave us so much peace. We didn't try to strong arm God or force his hand or make him do what we wanted him to do. We knew that God's will was perfect and we wanted him to be glorified through it. And when it was the miracle that God had healed her and the doctors came around and said, we don't know how all this happened. We don't know how we found out what it was. We've never seen this before. It's so rare. Uh, one in uh, this particular disease that she had, only about 300 Americans get it per year. That means her case was literally one in a million. And when the doctors figured it out, they're just like, man, this is like a, a miracle. No, no, no. It is a miracle. Let me tell you why. Because this was the will of God. It wasn't because, yeah, we've been praying and we're like these prayer warriors, you know. We've been on our knees night after night, praying through the night for hours at a time. No, 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 no. I'm just going to be honest. We didn't pray for hours at a time. We prayed and trusted God by faith. And again, that sounds super spiritual, but it wasn't. It's just like, look, we can pray for the next 18 hours. It's not going to change the will of God. We just have to trust God through this. And so the problem comes many times where you and I get the idea that life is really about us and getting what we want out of life. And I'm going to pray that God will give me that job because that's what I want. That's how I'm going to advance my family. That's how I'm going to advance my career. And so God needs to give me this because that's what I want. No, no, no. God's will needs to be done so that his kingdom can get advanced. That's the thing that, that many times Christians fail to realize. You and I are just a, a teeny tiny part of God's expansive plan from eternity past to eternity future. You and I are a, a single dot. The Bible goes so far as to say this, that you and I are as, all of the nations collectively are as a drop in the bucket to God. Drop in the bucket is actually a biblical term, believe it or not. 
So I just saw this past week, the world population has passed 8 billion people on the planet. So you and I, if you take a drop of water, you and I are one eight hundred billionth of that drop. So when you think about God's big plan for the world, you and I are so insignificant, yet we feel like this whole world revolves around us. It doesn't. The whole universe revolves around the glory of God. And we have to get on that page. Now again, it's not to say that you and I are insignificant because we're not. Uh, the Bible says this, for as teeny tiny as you are, one eight billionth of a drop in the bucket, every hair on your head is numbered, and there's not a bird that falls to the sky that your father doesn't already know about and is concerned with. So lest we get this idea that God's out there and doesn't care about us because we're one in eight billion, again, isn't true. But we need to get this idea that when it comes to prayer, when it comes to fasting, what you and I really want more than what we want is the will of God to be done in our lives. That's what we really crave. That's what we really desire. And when it comes to fasting, fasting is a matter of proving. Take a look at verse number two. Now shalt remember all the ways that the Lord God led you in the wilderness to humble thee. We took a look at that last week. And to prove thee. And to know what was in your heart. It's a matter of proving. It's proof and a reminder that we are completely dependent on God. If you had lunch today, which most of us did, you received the providence of God. God provided food for you today. I had for lunch one of the most incredible things that God ever made. I had a peanut butter sandwich. And it, it wasn't just peanut butter. It was like Justin's honey peanut butter with like honey mixed into it, right? And it was all gritty and ground up like, like, like it had texture to it. It was good. And I had fresh, like freshly opened, like bag of Doritos that came out on my plate around my sandwich. And I stopped before I, I ate that and I just prayed and thanked God for his provision. Because here's the thing. Were it not for God, there wouldn't be no bread, there wouldn't be no peanuts, and there wouldn't be any cheese dust, right? I don't even know what it is. Chemicals and triangle-shaped cheese dust, right? There wouldn't be that if it weren't for God's provision. And so when I say, hey, I'm not going to eat lunch today. I just want to focus on God and his goodness. I'm saying, God, you provided for me over and abundant, and I willingly choose today to set that to the side to focus on you. It's proof that I know the food that I'm having is not because I'm such a good guy or because I'm such a hard worker or because, you know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I have food on my table because you've blessed me. Because there's people who have worked far harder than I have that have nothing today. There are people who work like you and I have never seen work before and don't have two nickels to rub together. So it's not because we work really hard and we've uh, done all the right things. That's why we have. No, we have what we have by the providence of God because God's been good to us. 
And so when we choose to set that to the side for a bit, whether it be for a meal or for a day or for a week or two weeks, we're saying, God, everything I have comes from you. It's also a proving time because it's proof that we put our trust in God, not the stuff that he gives. Hey, God, I'm thankful for the food, but I don't need that today. I need you. Hey, God, I'm glad I get to have, you know, a pantry full of food. I'm glad that I have a freezer full of stuff that I don't even know where to put it all. I'm glad that I can go to Costco and get a hot dog for $1.50. Like, I could do that if I wanted to, but I choose not to because I just want to spend time with you. I, I fear. Many times Christians want God's stuff more than they actually want God himself. Think about that for a minute. I want God's blessings. I want God to give me stuff and be good to me and good to my family. And I want to see my kids grow up and I want to be able to hold my grandkids one day. And I want to be able to, you know, have a, a blessed life, whatever that looks like. But do you really, do you want God? I read in a book somewhere, this thought's not original, and you read in a book somewhere, somewhere along the way. Somebody said, could you be content in heaven if God weren't there? Like, well, I look forward to heaven. Like, I'm not going to have to work anymore. I'm not going to have any physical ailments anymore. You know, my back's not going to hurt the way that it does. You know, my knees aren't going to be tight when I wake up in the morning when I get to heaven, you know. When I get to heaven, my grandma's going to be there. You know, family members that have gone on before me are going to be there. Man, what a great place heaven's going to be. But if you had all that and God wasn't there, would you still want heaven? And unfortunately, many people would say yes to that. So you, do you really want the presence of God? Do you really want to be close to God, or do you just want the stuff that he gives? I have to admit, there's been times in my life where I just wanted God's stuff. I just didn't want him. That I prayed because I needed something, not because I wanted to spend time with my father. I prayed because I needed my bills paid. I, mean, I prayed because I needed God to come through for me. I, needed, uh, I prayed to God because I needed strength or I needed God to fix something at work. I didn't really want to spend time with him. I didn't want to hear what he had to say to me. I just needed him to fix my stuff. Fasting says, hey, God, I don't need your stuff right now. I just need you. Hey, God, I'm thankful that you blessed me, and I could eat if I want to, but I choose not to because I just need you right now. And if I skip lunch about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I get the, a little rumble in my stomach, and I think to myself, oh, my goodness, I feel like I'm going to die of starvation. And then I remember... <laughs> I'm not going to die because man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what's going to keep me going today. God's word's going to keep me going. Not, you know, a bag of Doritos. The worst thing in the world is when you're fasting and somebody in the office pops a bag of popcorn because that's like one of those smells that doesn't like go away quickly, right? But if you're ever fasting and you get that smell, you know what you should do? You should burn a bag of popcorn because that doesn't go away quickly either. And then you're like repulsed by it, right? No, don't do that. Because here's the idea behind it. Here's the idea behind fasting. I could have 
a bag of popcorn if I wanted to, but I don't, I don't want that. I desire the presence of God in my life. I could have that, but I choose not to. Again, this is where people get mixed up when it comes to fasting, too. Like, oh, I'm going to be fasting for lunch today, so I'm going to eat this massive Grand Slam breakfast from Denny's so I'm not hungry till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's the opposite of fasting. Again, we take a look at the Bible word. literally means one who is empty, one who has not eaten, one who is hungry. The whole point is that my desire, my hunger would be a hunger for God. My thirst would be for the word of God, for the presence of God is the idea there. So we see uh, verse number two here that to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart. Fasting is a time of reflection. It's a time for me to sit and think. I also recommend, this is just a side note that might be helpful for some of you. If you decide to fast and pray for a meal or a day or something like that, take your phone and turn it off. Or if you're going to use your phone to, to read scripture on, set it and do not disturb. You, you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I was going to take an hour and fast at lunchtime and pray and read the Bible, but I decided to catch up on my emails instead. Again, the whole point of a fast is that we would be distraction-free. I don't need the outside world crowding me at this time. I don't even want to think about the food that I'm eating right now. I want to empty myself of self so that I can be filled with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, the things of God. That's what I desire. That's what I crave. And fasting is a time for us really to reflect. Let me just tell you this. There's been times before where I've left the house without my cell phone, and like I'm standing in line like, what am I supposed to do? Just like think? Like what? I'm sitting down and I'm like eating lunch. What am I supposed to do? Just like stare off into the distance like a weirdo, you know? Like what are you, what are you supposed to do? Like, like, I'm, like I'm, I'm going to Starbucks to get a drink, and like I have to pull out my wallet and, and swipe my card like a caveman, you know? Like, like oh. And we, we fail to realize that we carry around these distraction devices that keep our mind off of reality. That I don't think about the person in front of me in line or the person behind me in line. I think about my world and what's going on with me. And fasting is a time of reflection, and you can't reflect. Distraction is an enemy of reflection. So i gotta, I got to clear all that out. And I know this is tough for people who, who have small kids especially because small kids are a constant distraction, right? Even when they're good, they're distractions. Like, Dad, look at me. Dad, look at me. Hey, look at this. Oh, look, I'm going to do this. Oh, look, I'm going to do a backflip off the couch. That's not really a backflip. You just jump backwards. No, it's a backflip. Okay, whatever. Uh, Dad, take a picture. Take a picture of this. And kids can be a distraction sometimes. Those are enemies of reflection. So, again, here's something. And, again, you're going to think I'm crazy. Maybe you've got to get up a little bit earlier before the kids get up to have your time of reflection. Oh, that's too much to ask. Exactly. Precisely. God, I desire reflection time with you more than I desire to be in bed right now. Not fasting, but it's prior prioritization. It's getting your priorities straight. It's getting your heart right with God. That's important. But distraction is the enemy of reflection. I, I need to be able to clear out my head and my heart so that I can focus on the things of God. 
fasting lays bare the condition of our heart. It allows me to clear out everything. It allows my stomach to be empty so that I can say, hey, what really has hold of my heart right now? Because again, even small, simple things that we eat can provide some level of of comfort, some level of distraction. We all have some type of food that, that elicits some type of memory that we have or something. No lie, to this day, I cannot eat a churro. Man, I love churros. I can't eat a churro without thinking about being at the electric light parade in downtown Disney, having a warm churro in my hand, watching this incredible parade at night with my family. Like, I eat a churro and I'm immediately transported back to that. But when I fast, I have no emotional connection to anything. And that's the idea that I would be empty. I'm not thinking about, ooh, this, this honey and this, like, this peanut butter is just like, mm, and it's a little bit gritty and provides that texture. I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm hungry, but I'm hungry for the Word of God today. And, and it allows us to examine our hearts in a way that we couldn't when we're, again, just, you know, trying to skim through the Bible on our phone with a Subway sandwich in our hand, you know? It allows us to just stop for a moment and, and align our heart with the heart of God. Fasting helps us to answer the question, what does my heart truly desire? What am I a slave to? And no lie, fasting for me showed me that, that I'm a slave to food way too much. That God gave me food to sustain me day by day. He never, again, there's no, nothing wrong with having pleasure from food. But I found a point in my life many years ago where I desired food more than I desired God. And food became idolatry in my life. And fasting revealed that for me. Like, man, ask me to go without food for a day? Man, I'd rather you cut off my right arm than not eat for a day? Like, what kind of... Torture is that. I mean, it's practically torture. I mean, what do they feed prisoners in in prison? Bread and water. Like, that's torturous, right? It is if food has become your God. And so fasting allows me to tune all that out. You know, again, if I've I've gotten like next level crazy and I didn't put my phone on do not disturb, I actually turn my phone off and set that to the side while I'm focusing on God and meditating on the Word, am I thinking about like what notifications I'm missing on my phone? Do I think to myself, man, the second I say amen, I can't wait to turn my phone back on and have it blow up with all those crazy notifications right away and then go through them? If that's the case, maybe my phone has my heart. Maybe the need to be needed has my heart. Maybe this thing that was supposed to provide me all these connections across the world to everybody that I love has caused me to disconnect from the one that I should love the most. I I can't do those things unless I have a time to pull over to this side and reflect. Fasting's a matter of growing. (laughs) Again, if we take a look at verse number two, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what's in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandment or no, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. 
here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to know ourselves. He fed you from, verse number three, he fed you with manna from heaven, which you knew not, which your fathers didn't know, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone. God wants us to grow through this. God wants us to see that his word is life-sustaining. His word is life-giving. That I don't need a cell phone. I don't even need to eat lunch today. I need to spend time with my father. I need to know what his word says. I need to make sure that my life is in obedience to his word. That's what I need. I don't need to eat a peanut butter sandwich and Doritos today. I need to hear from God. I'm not going to be a better man based on having a steak and baked potatoes for dinner. I'm going to be a better man by living in obedience to the word of God. That helps me to grow. Man, if I ate peanut butter sandwiches for the rest of my life and I obeyed God, I'll be a better man for it than if I had steak every night and disobeyed the word. So fasting is a time for me to grow in in my knowledge and obedience and desire and hunger for the things of God. Again, we don't fast to get God to change something. We fast so that we're changed and that we come into a greater level of faith. God wants you to grow through fasting. The same way that God wants you to grow through giving. The same way that God wants you to grow through praying. The same way that God wants you to grow through reading and meditating on the Word of God. Again, we we sometimes think that we're doing these things to prove something to God or for God's benefit. Let me just say this, and I, I want to be clear when I say it. When we give, we give, first of all, because God is worthy of our worship. Secondly, we give in obedience to God. We don't give because God's broke, because God needs us. We give so that God can grow us. Many of us this year gave to missions. We gave a, a one-time offering to the Love Grows, and I can't wait for them to get back to Ethiopia so we can see what kind of car they buy. Like, I'm so, I'm pumped for them having a car that we get to have a part of that. That was big. Many of us made commitments on a monthly basis that was a little bit outside of our comfort zone, a little bit outside of what we felt like we could squeeze by on because we wanted to see God do something special in our life. That's growth on your part. Again, anybody can give leftovers. Anybody can give spare change, but God asks you to give out of a cheerful, sacrificial heart because he wants you to grow by faith. And man, when I give sacrificially and I see reports of people being saved, I got a text from Josh Lovegrove yesterday. They're in, currently in Kansas City, I think it was, and getting ready to head back over to Ethiopia. Here's what he says. He says, we, have to be back, uh, we want to be back in Ethiopia by mid-December. And I said to him, I'm just trying to figure out where he's at again, how he feels about Ethiopia. I said, well, wouldn't you want you and your kids to be able to spend time with your family here uh, in the States during Christmas time? And he said, no, we want to spend Christmas time at home with our people. My man. That's somebody who knows where his home is, right? His home isn't in Arizona where he grew up. His home is in Ethiopia where God put his heart, where God put his family. That's where he wants to be. And he said, yeah, we had two people saved this past week at our church. 
<laughs> yes, we got to be a part of that. And I told him, hey, we're baptizing three people tomorrow, which was today. And he's like, man, praise God. I've been praying for you guys. So he's praying for us, and we see fruit over here. We're praying and giving, and we see fruit over there. That helps our faith to what? Grow. The whole idea, look, again, like, like John said earlier in the music portion, if God wanted to save people through angels, he could do the, a lot better job than we are. But he doesn't want to do that because he wants us to grow and see his hand at work. He wants to strengthen our faith as a result of it. And fasting is no different. Look, God could make us live on one meal a week if he wanted to, but he causes us to hunger because he wants us to know where our next meal is coming from. It's not coming from Safeway or Burger King. Our next meal is coming from the Lord. He wants you to remind you of that. He wants to remind us that we, there might come times in our life where we can say, hey, God, I don't want your stuff. I don't need your stuff. I just need you. God, I don't want to eat dinner tonight. I just want your presence in my life. I just want to feast on your word for lunch today. That's what I desire more than anything else. And so it's important to understand, too, final thought here this evening, is that fasting is more about replacing than it is abstaining. I mentioned last week, I've heard people say something silly before where they say, oh, I left the house and I forgot to eat today. I've never forgotten to eat in 45 years. I'm always reminded that I need to eat. Now, have I gotten too busy to eat? Man, there's been times like that where you run from this meeting to the next meeting. It's a, this meeting ran late and you were planning on eating lunch, but you don't have time, so you're just going to go to the next meeting. And halfway through that meeting, you're about to starve and you're trying to think, is there any nutritional value in fingernails? I would eat my fingernails right now. I'm so hungry, Right. There's not, you might be wondering, there's not any nutritional value in that. So I did the work for you. But there's times where we're like, hey, we get super busy and we don't have time to eat. That's not fasting. Fasting is not just doing without food. Fasting is replacing that meal with something greater. It's about replacing it with time with God, meditation on his word, a desire for connectedness, a desire for my heart to align with the heart of God, my will to align with the, the will of God. Fasting is about taking that meal time and saying, oh, I, I, I want to eat right now, but God, I really just want you right now. God, while my family eats, you know, steak and baked potatoes for dinner tonight, I'm just going to sit at the table and enjoy fellowship with my family and not eat because I just want to remember that everything I have comes from you. And again, there might come times where that's appropriate. Where you say, hey, guys, you guys enjoy your meal. I I'm fasting tonight, and I'm, in, I'm, believe it or not, enjoying fasting. You say, well, you, you can't say that. You can. The Bible says not to make a big deal about the fact that you're fasting or cause your face to be really sad. Like, oh, you guys can eat if you want. I'm fasting today. No, no. Hey, eat. Enjoy your food. I want you to because, honestly, I'm enjoying my time with God. And so fasting isn't just abstaining from food. It's replacing it with something else. Now again, over the next several weeks, we'll see the reasons why in the Bible that we fast, purposes behind that. But this is just kind of laying the foundation and helping us understand why we fast. And so again, never fasted before, I highly encourage you to start with one meal. And again, it should be a meal that causes you to be hungry. That's the purpose behind fasting. Again, some people can say, oh, I can wake up in the morning and not eat until noontime and, and not miss a meal. 
That's not fasting. The purpose of fasting is that I feel empty. I desire food, but I desire God more. And so start with one meal. Um, you know, again, drink water, but make sure that you're plenty hydrated. I'm not giving medical advice on what's best for you, but again, I think we should desire the things of God more than we desire our necessary food is what Job said. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m.